1: This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead
0: by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. God makes many, many wonderful promises. And you can count on God, unlike people, to keep His promises. And in today's program, we're going to see that when you have Jesus in your life, all those promises are yes and amen. For our series is entitled... Heartfelt and inspired. Understanding Second Corinthians. A verse by verse commentary. I want to focus on 2nd Corinthians 1 19 to 24. Because here we're going to learn about many promises. First of all, let's learn about the nature of the flesh, and then let's learn about the nature of Of God. When I say flesh, I'm not talking about skin. I'm talking about our earthy, organic, carnal nature, the unredeemed side of us, the side that basically lives in the natural and lives somewhat in rebellion against the precepts of God. Maybe not in everything, and we might be sincere and nice in so many areas, but there is another side to us that basically is in opposition and yes rebellion to god that's the flesh and we all been in the flesh and in the flesh it profits nothing says jesus his words are spirit and life but there is an interesting phrase here and i want to point your attention to second corinthians 1 19 and 20. first of all before i even read that there are literally hundreds of promises in the bible Old and New Testament. These promises are celestial, they are grand, they are priceless, they are just superlative and wonderful. Even just having a few of the promises fulfilled would make you in an enviable position vis-a-vis other people. But imagine if all the promises of God were available to you, and you had access to them, and you could enjoy them essentially anytime you wanted. You would be considered, above all people, most blessed. Many people find promises in the Bible. They might even write them down, memorize them, confess them. But do they actually have them? Or are they hope to have these promises in their lives. I'll give you one example of a promise. Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 84:11 says, "No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly." Think about it no good thing will God keep from you if you walk uprightly. So if it's good for you and you're walking uprightly, God will give it to you. But here's the caveat. God will give it to you at the time and place and manner of his choosing, not ours. It really I have to let God be God. And he is the sovereign of the universe. He doesn't need our instruction. He doesn't need to be told what to do. He doesn't need to know how to do it. He is God. To do otherwise is presumption, and presumption is considered a great sin. But let's look at verses 19 and 20, when we consider the myriad of promises of the Lord. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promise of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. So that's Second Timothy 1, 19 and 20. Think about it, friends. God doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. He doesn't say yes to you and then change his mind and say no. Or he doesn't say yes to you, but he says no to somebody else, as if he plays favorites. He does not play favorites. As one person aptly put it, God doesn't play favorites with people, but he will give favor to those who fulfill his conditions. So what it tells us, when you're in Christ and the promises are in Christ, you don't have to worry about a yes or no, and you don't have to worry about a no, because all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in him, amen. Remember the word yes and For God means, yes, you're going to have it. Let me choose the time, manners, and territory you're going to get it in, but you have it. And amen, which is what we say at the end of our prayers, means so be it. And that's what I want to leave with you at this point. The promises of God are yes and amen when you're found in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read to you the entire passage. Our lesson today is called The Promises of God our yes and amen. And our passage is 2 Corinthians 1, verses 19 to 24. 2nd Corinthians 1, 19 to 24. And here's what it says. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me, and Silvanus, and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us, is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. This is Second Corinthians 1 to 24. Let's visit these wonderful verses again, perhaps in a little more detail. Verse 19. Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was preached to the Corinthian church by Paul, by Silvanus, and by Timothy. And this Jesus who was preached doesn't say yes and no, or yes, yes, and no, no. But in Jesus Christ, there's only one answer, and that answer is yes. No double-mindedness in Christ. He is the Son of God. He is not a man that he should lie or the Son of Man that he should repent. And this one is always yes, not just yes and no. So we go on from here to verse 20. Very important. It says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So how do we put it? Very simple. As the text says, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, the prophets, the writing, which is the Threefold division of the Old Testament, known by the Hebrew acronym Tanakh. The Torah, which is the law, the Nevi'im, the Nah, N A, the prophets, and the Katuvim, or the Ch of Tanakh. So it's Tanakh. Torah, Nevi'im, Katuvim, the law, the prophets, the writing. Jesus fulfills all of this. So, if he fulfills all of this, then the promises that are found in the law, the prophets, and the writings are also fulfilled in him. Bearing in mind that the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament, was the Bible that Jesus read. It was the Bible that the apostles read. It was the Bible that a special apostle, Paul, read. So, All these promises, and that's not even counting the New Testament ones, are yes and amen in Christ. Jesus fulfills all. That is why, friends, we need to persist in having a high view of Scripture. We have a high view of Scripture because that's the only way we can know Jesus Christ in the fullness and power that he deserves. It's by the high view of Scripture that we have faith rising up. Mountain-moving faith. It's by the high view of scripture that we're in conformity to Christ himself, because Christ also had a high view of scripture. He couldn't have it any higher than what he had it. As far as he's concerned, all the scripture was inspired down to the word, down to the letter, even down to the part of the letter. All scripture is inspired, all scripture is profitable. Therefore, because all scripture is inspired and profitable, he's telling us we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Every word. So Christ believes in every word. Every word is inspired and profitable. If it's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. But furthermore, that we take a high view of scripture because remember, it's all talking about the Lord. All of it. Every single one of the 66 books of the Bible have a portrait of Christ and also they point to Christ. And therefore, that's why another reason we take the high view, it is written, every word of God is pure, Proverbs 30, verse 5. And that is because the promises of God are so real. And when we take them at face value, as he has said, ye cannot go wrong. If Jesus believed it, you can believe it too. So that is why he fulfills all the promises, because he fulfills all the scripture. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. All right. It is God who establishes us in Christ. We don't establish ourselves. We submit to God. We follow God. We obey God. We hand over all our sins, our burdens, our cares, our weights to God. He in return carries us, plants us, in the fertile field, so that our roots can go down deeply and concurrently our branches can go out wide, heavy and bearing much fruit. God is the one that makes it happen. Friends, don't jump the gun, be arrogant and expedient, and basically say, Well, if nothing's happening, I'm going to make it happen. Again, you're in the realm of presumption and you'll be, pardon the expression, cruising for a bruising. Now, l- allow God and his grace, and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you. Because when it does, you will definitely be a new person. Verse 21 again, is God who establishes us in Christ. That is good news. It is God who also anoints us in Christ. Now this is a wonderful word, anointing. But I dare say many people don't really understand it. Even Bible-believing Christians, even those in what we call Spirit-filled churches. So let me describe the anointing to you. The anointing is what God separates, authorizes, anoints, empowers, emboldens, and equips for divine utterance or divine service. I hope I can remember all that again, but it's when God separates, authorizes, anoints, appoints, empowers, enables, equips, and basically puts the words in your mouth and the skills in your hand and the fire in your heart so you can do his will. It's basically the Holy Spirit interfacing with the servant of God. When anointing happens, the corn begins to pop. Things occur. And that's what we want. That's really, in a sense, what revival is about. It's God coming alive in us so we can come alive in Him, And it's God that does it. We don't anoint ourselves. We don't even have a clue how to get anointed. It's God that does it all. He anointed Jesus, according to Acts 10.38, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus, thus anointed, went about doing good and healing the sick, and helping all who are oppressed of the devil, because God was with him. The anointing really does represent, ultimately, the presence of God in the life of the believer. So bear in mind this. We are called Christians, or in the Greek, Christianos. Christianos means little Christ. So what does Christ mean? Well, it's the Greek word for Messiah, and Messiah means anointed one, or the anointed one. Therefore, when we are little Christs or Christianos, we are little anointed ones. I fervently believe we should live our lives not in the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit in the anointing. Everything we do should be anointed. Because that's how Jesus lived. He was so anointed in everything that even he was anointed for his burial. I mean, think about that one. Everything he did was his utterances, his thoughts, his words. You knew that God was with him. And people will know that God is with you when you allow God to anoint you in the Holy Spirit and in power. Verse 22, 2 Corinthians 1. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The who, of course, is God. He seals us or gives us a down payment or a deposit of the Holy Spirit. We're particularly talking about the Holy Spirit in regeneration. The Holy Spirit causes us to be born again. The Holy Spirit baptizes us or immerses us in his power. It's really Jesus that does the baptizing in the Spirit. But we are immersed in the Spirit And we also are given the fullness of the Spirit. And the more we open up to the Holy Spirit, the more we are filled. The less we open up to the Holy Spirit, the less we are filled. So, this is why we want this down payment or deposit of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit regeneration, baptism, fullness, and, of course, learning to live a lifestyle in the Spirit. Now, it uses the term, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's like a clay jar, and we are put in the jar— And then the lid is put on top of the jar so we basically don't fall out. The seal of the Holy Spirit leads us to greater blessings to come, which is namely our ultimate salvation and redemption. Being sealed in the Holy Spirit also talks about being authentic. It speaks about God's preserving power in our lives. Sealed in the Holy Spirit also refers to us as being divinely owned. We belong to God. We don't belong to ourselves. And dare I say it, we're not free to do with ourselves, our time, our bodies, our future, what we want. I mean, we can do that, but we will be shortchanged living a life of futility and frustration. So friends, your body, your mind, your future, your finances, your family, your everything belongs to God. Don't think God wants to impoverish you. No, if you give to God, guess what? It will be given back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. God doesn't need your money, but he requires your obedience. So this deposit of the Holy Spirit means anointing, which brings enablement, empowerment, and authority. Verse 23, 2 Corinthians 1. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, that to spare you, I came not as yet unto Corinth. So basically now, we're going from the glorious here, To something rather personal and practical paul is saying i didn't come as of yet because i want to spare you grief basically saying if he came prematurely he may have uh, been like a house on fire he would have perhaps come down hard because of the nonsense that was occurring in the church at that time and of course if you want to know more about it you can refer to our earlier series on first corinthians which is called from carnal to spiritual so finally in this segment, this lesson, lesson 7, which is called The Promises of God, Are Yes and Amen, it tells us in verse 24, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. So what is the purpose? We stand by faith. We start off by faith. We stand by faith. We continue in faith to the end. We're rewarded in faith. So Paul's purpose was not to lord it over them, bully them, hold a club over their heads. That's not what he wanted. What he wanted to do was help them enter into their joy. Because joy comes by being in the perfect will of God. Joy comes by being obedient to God. Joy comes by being in the Spirit and letting the fruit of the Spirit well up in your life. Because, as Galatians 5.22 says, The Fruit of the Spirit is joy. And ultimately, it is by faith and faith alone that you stand tall and strong in Jesus Christ. All right, friends, what is our lesson for life? Come to Christ, who is your one stop for all the blessings and promises of God. Again, come to Christ, who is your one stop for all the blessings and promises of God. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. Also, go to our homepage where you can subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on the Bible, Christian living, victorious Christian living, I might add, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray as we always do. Thank you, Father, that all the promises... In Jesus Christ, our yes and amen. Help us to receive these things. Help us to run with these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
1: Today's on the Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Doctor Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley, 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To
0: find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.